0: Welcome back to another episode of the m M&M Hockey Podcast. Uh, t- today, me and Chase are going to be breaking down the third round, looking at the second round and some other stuff that happened. Uh, so let's just jump right into it with a third round preview. We're recording this on Friday night, so before the San Jose and St. Louis game has happened, but Boston Carolina game one has happened. Uh, let's look at San Jose, St. Louis, the one that has already started. Uh, so this should be a pretty good series, I-, I-, I would say. This is going to be one of the better ones out West, in my opinion, that we've had all year. Um, I like both of these teams a lot. Who are you cheering for? Probably Carlson. I don't. Really, I have St. Louis fair. going to the finals though, so I don't really care. It's kind of a win-win for me. Uh, yeah, I, I think this should be a lot of fun though to watch. I mean, this is two really good teams going at it, and I had Vegas and St. Uh, St. Louis in my conference final, but my take pretty much was if it wasn't going to be Vegas, it was going to be San Jose, and uh, San Jose has taken an interesting way to get here for sure with the. Two questionable calls in Game 7, but—in uh, Game 7s, I should say, but— Multiple um, Game 7s, yeah. Yeah. I, I When it comes to this series alone, I, I like both of these teams a lot in terms of the skill that they have.
1: Both are amazing skating teams.
0: Yeah, and I think it should be just a ton of fun to watch. Um, again, my X-Factor is going to be Martin Jones. He actually was solid in round two. And uh, the end of round one there, so it depends what Martin Jones you're getting. Are you going to get the one that almost costs you a series, or is it going to be the one that saves you, well, not even saves you, but just is average and, you know, gets you a win here or there, but then your team can do the rest.
1: Yeah, it's amazing, like, uh, he actually didn't have a terrible round or whatever, but it's amazing that the Sharks have gotten this far with their just disgustingly bad save percentage. Yeah, like I don't
0: even know what the team save percentage is, but it can't be that great. Like
1: I know uh, Jones's goal saved above average is still dead last among playoff goalies. Doesn't shock me at all. I mean, he had.
0: It's hard to understate how bad he was in games 2 through 5 of that uh, San Jose Vegas series.
1: And he did try his best in and what was even, in game 7. Even game
0: 7, he was not very good. At game 6, he absolutely stole for San Jose. But was
1: that the one where the shots were like 50 or yeah. 20 or whatever? Yeah,
0: he absolutely stole that one for San Jose. But yeah, like I don't know. That That's obviously the big X factor there uh, is what Martin Jones are you going to get. On the other side, Jordan Bennington... Still hasn't don't have
1: a ton of faith in Jordan. No, he hasn't
0: been like he hasn't stolen a series, but he's been what the Blues have needed him to be, and if he can continue to be that, that's like that's all they'll need to have a very good shot in this series. Um, I don't know if I have a confident prediction in this. I'll yeah. go Sharks in seven, I guess, but I don't like. I could this could go either way.
1: I'd say it's got to be seven either way six for or seven I yeah. would say yeah I'll go St. Louis just for fun
0: yeah like I could see either way I really like this St. Louis team I mean they have some really 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 good forward depth uh, especially down the middle there with Shannon O'Reilly Bozak Sunquist. yeah and then on the wings I mean Alex Steen is playing fourth line right wing I know Steen's not what he used to be but if he's your fourth right winger you're in pretty good shape yeah, he's still better than when Michael Haley slots in sometimes for the Sharks or whatever. Exactly. I mean, Tarasenko, Perron, Robert Thomas, and then Alex Steen down there. And even on the left side, I mean, Jaden Schwartz, I don't know who Sammy Blaze is. I'm not even going to lie. That's not a name I hear too often. Uh, Patrick Maroon and Ivan Barbashev. I mean, I like Barbashev and Maroon, especially his bottom six guys. And Jaden Schwartz is amazing. So.
1: Yeah, Jaden Schwartz one of the more underrated players in the league, I'd yeah. say. And then
0: on the back end, you got Edmondson. Uh, Petrangelo, Periaco, Vince Dunn, and then even Bomeister has stepped it up near the end. Of, he started horribly, but it was he was coming off a shoulder injury or surgery or something like that, and he's been better since the year went on. So, and then Carl Gunnarsson arrived at that defense court. so It's a very good team, yeah, they are very good, and it, it's not uh, not a surprise of why they're in this uh, spot that they are. Um, with that, let's go to the east, I guess. We're gonna. Actually, no, let's swing back and look at the teams that are eliminated. So Colorado and Dallas, we figured we'd take a look at the four teams they got eliminated and kind of say where they go from here. Uh, for Colorado, it should be pretty simple. We kind of stay put, right? Like, yeah,
1: you can chill if you're Colorado. I
0: mean, you get the fourth overall pick. The lottery's been done. You obviously didn't get quite the luck you wanted, but you still have a top pick in the draft. They're
1: picking 16th, too. So, like, fourth and 16th overall picks after going to the second round. You basically can just stay put and...
0: Yeah, exactly, and I mean, they'll, they'll have some interesting decisions on what they want to do this year, because I don't think the fourth or, well, definitely the 16th overall pick won't have an immediate impact. No, unless the, they trade it. Yeah, and I mean, the, the the fourth overall pick, you know, like Brady Kachuk came in and made an impact last year, but I it's not smart, in my opinion, to bet on that. Probably not. But at the same time, I mean, uh, you've got to be excited if you're this team, because Kael McCarr has looked amazing, and him and Samuel Gerard together was just a, a great pair that looked amazing. And so that going forward as what your top two is, is very promising. I mean, I still like Tyson Berry, who's got two more years. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do with him. They got guys like Ian Cole, and uh, that, and then they got to decide what they're doing with Nikita Zadorov as well. But I mean, their defense core, it's not... Amazing, but at the same time, you can see why it's going to be okay going forward. And Connor Timmins in the minors as well. Yeah, Timmins I like. So uh, it's and then up front. I mean, they have a lot to do this uh, this year. They have Sedorov, Rantanen, Rantanen JT Confort, Kerfoot, and Savannah Andrgeto are all RFAs. Uh, Varlamov is a UFA. You have to decide if you want to try and get him on a cheapish deal and go tandem with Grubauer again, or if you just let him go completely. And then you have to figure out what you're gonna do as a backup. Uh Vladislav Kamenev, who spent a lot of the year injured as an RFA, he should be a pretty cheap one, I think, because he's he didn't get to play as much as they probably would have liked him to this year.
1: Yeah, I can't imagine he cashes out this summer.
0: But uh yeah, so it's it's a good
1: team like in terms I don't of think... going forward they're as good as people might think after they made the second round. Though. Like, no. I think there's got to be more patience here than some people might expect. Well,
0: I don't think they're going to be a cup contender next year, but I sure. like when you have McKinnon, Landeskog, uh, Rantanen, sorry, Gerard, uh McCarr, and then you also have the fourth overall and 16th overall picks, I can see why you're going to be very optimistic about your future. Oh,
1: future for sure. But I would
0: stress a little bit of patience if I was these guys. Yeah, it depends what patience is... What do you mean by that? I mean, I don't think they should be going out and trying to, you know, trade all their futures away for a cup run or anything next year. But I would expect... If I'm this team, I want to make playoffs again next year. Oh, for sure. Um, I
1: just wouldn't expect them to be a cup contender, which I'm starting to see floated as they're, like... I guess. I haven't seen much of that. But,
0: yeah, I I don't know. I definitely wouldn't consider this team a cup contender unless they go out and, like, add... Even if they add Artemi Panera and Eric Carlson this offseason, which I haven't heard nothing of. But, oh, I can't imagine um, that I, I did see someone tweet out that they are one legit second center away from being a very, very good team. And how funny it would be if Matt Duchesne came back to them in free really agency. Funny, but I, I don't see that happening at all either. So, um, yeah, I don't know. And then Dallas is the more interesting team out of these two because... I think you and I were both a little surprised. I had Dallas going to the second round, but I didn't really believe in the pick. And then they forced game seven as well in the second round. And, like, this team is just, it's not great.
1: you got to do something for depth up front.
0: You absolutely have to. I think, like, what do you do? Matt Zuccarello, that was a huge addition, but what do you do in terms of resigning him? Because he's already 31 years old. You don't want to give him a five-year deal or anything like that. If he wants two or three years to stay in Dallas, maybe you do that for some depth, because he was amazing. He was a big part of their playoff
1: run. Yeah, I really like Zuccarello as a player. If he wants to stay yeah. on like a shorter term, that'd be really nice. But.
0: but, I mean, Ben's getting older. He's already 29. He's starting to fall uh, decline a little bit. He still looked—again, he was another one who looked very, very good in the playoffs. But uh, Radulov is 32. You, got, you start to wonder—I mean, he had the best year of his career this year. You start to wonder how much longer he's going to have stuff like that in the tank. Even Tyler Sagan is 27. He should be very, very good for a couple more years. But you got to start thinking, like, the window is closing for this team, which is scary because it doesn't really feel like it was ever open.
1: Yeah, and, like, they have Klingberg and Heiskanen, but it doesn't feel like there's some huge youth movement with a lot of, like, stud no, prospects mean, coming up either. Yeah,
0: like, up front, they don't have much right now that is going to help them. I mean, in the minors, they got some guys like Ty Delandra, He's fine, but, again, he's not going to... Come and take over your team.
1: Yeah, like I don't think of I think of these guys like Philly without the youth movement, yeah, kind of thing.
0: Yeah, I would be I would agree with that. I mean, they definitely have a few guys in the minors that uh, should help the team out going forward. But I mean, they're really going to have to figure out. Uh, they got their blue line, you know, Klingberg and. Highskin is a very, very, very nice top two to build around, especially and Lindell's number three as well. Yeah, it's not bad. But just in general, like up front, they don't have much of anything, and that's going to be a big problem. They need to start figuring out what they're going to do. Um, Probably sign Polak for like eight years. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see what they do this offseason. Also, pray Bishops an elite goalie again.
1: Yeah, and at
0: 32, I'm not feeling the best about that, but...
1: Yeah, like, I think he'll be good, but I'm not um, sure he'll be Vesna worthy
0: again. No, I, I would agree with that. And, uh yeah, it'll be a very interesting s- to see what they do this year and where they evaluate their team as well. Because, I mean, it's one of those teams where you don't want to mortgage the future to go all in, but at the same time... You almost have to. Like, what are you going to do? Like, I guess maybe you just say, okay, let's try and build through the draft and hopefully in a year or two the top guys up front aren't... It maybe like Boston, I would say, is probably the way they might want to look at this. The Boston team has had guys like Bergeron, Marchon, and even Krejci not decline to the extent that a lot of people would, and they that's why they look like a legitimate cup contender this year. Uh they have and then they reached retooled within two to three drafts of just solid uh guys in the middle of the first round there.
1: Crushing the Pasternak and McAvoy picks is
0: and even like I know de- we rip on them for twenty fifteen <laughs> and we should, but I mean even the DeBrusque pick was very good. Yeah, that was. And or good uh, enough at the time. I guess. Yeah. Was. And I mean even like even right now, DeBrusque is a very solid player. Uh would you rather him over Kyle Connor or Thomas Shabbat and such? Maybe not. Barzell. But, <laughs> yeah, and Barzell's another one, but there's two other guys who barely play on that team that have, take way more should take way more flack in terms of the two picks. So Oh, without question. Yeah. But I mean hitting on some of those guys is definitely the biggest thing that you're going to have to be able to do. And I think maybe that's where uh, you look at, okay, this is just kind of what we're going to have to do now. Like, we're going to have to hope we can hit on some draft picks. Which
1: is not a fun place to
0: be in. No, but it looks like it might be the pick. And maybe this is a team that looks for someone like Jordan Everly in free agency if he doesn't decide to re-sign with New York.
1: I could see that. Get some depth.
0: Yeah, and, and like I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. Because they, uh, they really need depth up front.
1: They were in um, Taveras pretty late last year and everything. They seem to be an attractive enough place for free agents, but
0: Yeah, I mean like maybe they and they have I mean 7.5 million is 7.5 millions coming off the books this year. Sagan's raise is going on the books this year. Uh, well
1: oh, that just starts now.
0: Yeah, that just starts this season oh, this wow. coming season. He's at 5.75 right now, he goes up to 9.85. And um damn, that was a good contract. Yeah, it it was a very very good contract. And, uh, yeah, so Spezza 7.5 comes off. They need to re-sign Matthias Janmark, uh, Brett Ritchie, and Jason Dickinson as RFAs. And then Essa Lindell and Julius Honka on the back end. Uh, Roman Polak, Ben Lovejoy, and Taylor Fedun, Fedun. Both are all three RFAs. And then Spezza and Zuccarello are your two RFAs up front. So they have roughly... 14 million or so coming off the cap this year but then when you add uh Ben's extent or sorry Segan's extension and it goes up they have a little less to play with but uh they should have a little bit of money in free agency I don't think they'll be able to go after someone like Panera and I also don't think he'd want to go there but at the same time maybe you look at someone like
1: Jordan Eberle that wouldn't be bad Just uh, someone to play behind the big three forwards. Yeah,
0: or maybe you just maybe your thing is Matt Zuccarello for three more years. Uh, Yeah, that would be nice. So, uh, yeah, let's go to the East then. Boston, Carolina. Uh, This is kind of reminds me of like Carolina and New York, but if New York was actually good, (laughs) like the styles match up so much differently from each other. Yeah, and uh, Carolina should want to play this game five five on five. As much as they can. Oh, God, yeah. Uh, you have one of the most deadliest power plays in the league in Boston's, and then you just have one that just takes point shots for forever on end in Carolina's. And uh, So if I'm Carolina, I really just want to be playing this game at even strength because that's where they excel and that's where they can beat teams. Uh, it's one of the ways, I mean, it's funny to say that the Islanders got goaltendered, but uh, Curtis McElhaney, of all people, came in and <laughs> robbed the Islanders. I mean, don't get me wrong, Carolina played very well too, but that series should not have been a sweep. I don't even think Carolina should have been up going into games three and four. Most series probably shouldn't be sweet. No, and I mean Carolina got outplayed in Long Island, or well, in Brooklyn, I guess, in games one and two. Their goaltender Peter Mrazek and then Curtis McElhaney stopped them, and then they outplayed the Islanders in game three and four. That's so, a league goalie, Curtis McElhaney. Yeah. Um, so this should be an interesting series. Uh, Boston's up one nothing after last night. They won five two, but two of those were empty netters. They scored two power play goals in about 30 seconds to start the third period last night. That was sad to watch. Yeah, man. and um, so again, Carolina's got to stay out of the box. It's as simple as that, I think. And it'll be interesting because Boston, uh, it's been talked about so much, they like to slow the game down. They like to grind you out and forecheck and hit. Whereas Carolina, you the frantic pace favors them much better. Uh, just trying to go end-to-end, big rushes, I mean, break the puck out as much as you possibly can. That really favors them in their decor.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, And that's what they're going to have to play if they want to beat Boston.
1: Yeah, it works perfectly for Carolina because they're going to outshoot you. So it works in their best interest to have as many shots go both ways as possible because then they can maximize their differential there.
0: Yeah, and uh, this Carolina team, it it really feels like sometimes when you're watching them, they shoot from everywhere. But when you go and look at their shot map, they get tons of high danger chances as well.
1: Yeah, I always wonder if, like, that's overblown. Like, that's something that we've almost been trained to watch for after so many years of their garbage shooting percentage. Yeah, well, so, like, I think we might overblow it when we're watching.
0: Well, there definitely is some, because, I mean, a lot of people go, yeah, this is why Corsi doesn't mean anything, because you have a team like Carolina that just games it all game.
1: But but then you look at the heat map, and they still have a Yeah, of because, well, anyways. I mean,
0: a lot of their things is, I mean, they do shoot from the point or just at the outside of the hash marks for no reason a lot of the time.
1: They do take bad shots. There
0: is times where they you probably go, okay, you could probably not take that shot. But a lot of the time, when you take a point shot, they got three guys or two guys standing in front of the net, so guess what? There's a high-danger rebound sitting right there. Exactly. And, I mean, that's I think that's some of it. So, do I think it's a little overblown? Yes. Do I think their numbers are a little overblown as well? Yeah, probably. I mean, when you're a 58% possession team, you're probably not destroying teams that much when you're third in your own division. Uh, that's probably not just because of goaltending, especially when you have league average goaltending. But, um,
1: yeah, they actually got decent goaltending this year, didn't they?
0: Yeah, M- M- Mrazic's fine. M- Mrazic and McElhaney, uh tandem, it- and they were both fine. Like, average, I'm pretty sure. So, uh, And that's what we said they needed to make the playoffs and make a little bit of a run, and here they
1: are. So, what we got. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Do you have anything to say about this series in general? or? I was uh, thinking about the series before this, and you know those things that's like chaotic good, chaotic evil, like lawful whatever? This is definitely just chaotic good in Carolina versus chaotic evil in Boston.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. And I mean, it's the Boston team is such a it's for a team to win a cup in 2013 while their core was already they were in their primes. But then go and reload and six years later have the same core, similar core anyways, of Chara, Bergeron, Marchand, Krejci. Um, It's very impressive what they've done. It is very impressive. And I mean, they're the big bad Bruins. They play dirty. I know a lot of people like to complain about it. I think it's been so overrated about how they play this this postseason. Yes, they play dirty. Yes, they probably play dirtier than most teams. Everyone plays dirty in the playoffs. If you're, if you want to go and nitpick every time Boston should have had a penalty, you should probably do that to the other team. There will there be as many? No, probably not. And Boston should get called on some more stuff for sure. But acting as if they have nothing going against them either is just BS. And there, part of me doesn't want to say it's playoff hockey because that is that sometimes gets stupid. Uh, letting someone brain like just headshot another guy—that's not playoff hockey. However, playoff hockey is chippier, like more chippy. Uh, like There's more scrums, there's more later hits. It doesn't have to be blindside hits. But a
1: higher percentage of shots
0: get blocked. Yep, finishing your checks, all that stuff. Like It happens. There's more little slashes or heck, step, so stepping on your skin. Yeah, like yeah. just all that little stuff. And I think if you want to complain about it, I, I if you want to say the rulebook should be called as a rulebook all year, I'm not going to have a problem with that. But at the same time, it's not. So you can't complain that they're the—you can't say that they're the only team getting uh, an advantage from this.
1: Yeah, they're definitely not the only ones that do. And if these playoffs should have taught us anything, it's that the refs probably aren't good enough at their job to conspire to screw a team, nonchalantly. Yeah,
0: I think we talked about it last week, but the, the whole idea that the league or the refs are out to get a team is just the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. Connor McDavid, I think it was said on Puck Soup this week. Connor McDavid would not go to Edmonton if this league was rigged. Yep. Like, I, I think we said that we've last seen, week yeah, too. Yeah, we like, said that before too. Like, it's just as simple as that. Austin Matthews would be in Arizona, and Connor McDavid would like to be in Toronto or another not as great mark or need mark that needed him. Yeah. Right. It's just it's as simple as that. Uh, let's go to the teams that they eliminated. Then uh, two teams that are very interesting: Columbus and the Islanders. Where do you go from here? If you're Columbus, I mean. First of all, is this worth it? You mortgaged your entire future for. Well, and they still do have some okay pieces in the minors, but in terms of drafting, you mortgaged your future for uh, a round one sweep, which is granted is amazing, but then also a game seven or game six in round two, and you're done now.
1: From the outside perspective, like just a more. Uh, level-headed. Not a chance in hell it was worth it, but from a fan's perspective who had never seen a team make the second round of the playoffs or whatever, I bet you it was really, really fun to watch, and they'd say, like, what's the saying? A missed first-round pick sets you back two years. I bet you they'd be okay with being set back two years for this.
0: Yeah, and I mean, so that, I think this was, I'm just listening to the Puck Soup podcast, so I'm, it's fresh on the brain, but this was another thing they kind of debated. It was for a lot of fan, uh, for a lot of franchise, this would not have been worth it. I know we talked about this at the deadline. If this was, say, Montreal, this would have been absolutely idiotic, just stupid to do. But this is a team that had never won a playoff series in twenty years of existence. Twenty years, and they hadn't won yet. At the, at some point, to keep fans or make new ones, you need to make some of these memories and. Yeah, I don't it'll be interesting to see because so if you go to Cap Friendly and look at their draft chart, they got no first rounder, no second rounder, no fourth rounder, no fifth rounder, no sixth rounder, no seventh rounder, but they have Calgary seventh this year. Next year they have no second, no third, and then the year after that they have no second. So they don't have a second round pick for three years. They might, if they re-sign to Shane, they won't have a first round pick for two years, and they don't have anything other than their third and Calgary seventh this year. They're not drafting much this year. Um, no, they're not. Did you see the report that... I want Kekalina to do this. you see the report that because the Browns didn't pick in the first round this year in the NFL draft, their GM just trolled other GMs by calling them when they were on the clock? So it was <laughs> no. their time to pick. He just called and said, hey, what are you doing here? Do you want to make a trade? Every time. And he, like I, that came out today that he was just kind of trolling with other people because he didn't have anything else to do. That's and awesome. I, I think that's hilarious. That's something Kekeleinan should do. But... Yeah, they're not doing much this offseason in terms of drafting, but like But they're doing a lot this offseason. Where do you go from here? I think it's it's well, we know Bubrowski's gone. He just put his uh, condo up for sale in Did Columbus he? today. That was the report that came out.
1: We kind of knew he was It
0: gone sounds already. pretty good that Panarin's gone. Do you try and re-sign Dezingle and Duchesne? Like do you keep anyone or do you just go like cuz they the team next year is not going to be great, but I don't think it's also going to be as bad as some people might think compared to other teams. I mean, like, you have Seth Jones and Wierenski on the back end. You have Pierre-Luc Dubois to build around up front. Dubois without Panarin will be interesting. It will. I still think that when you're a center—I mean, Panarin's amazing. He's elite. But I think yeah. if you're a centerman, you've got to be doing something right, too. You're not just going to be dragged along by a winger, even if that winger is elite.
1: That's fair. Just looking at the rest of their forward core, you're basically asking Dubois to be, like, a franchise forward. You have
0: to. I mean, you got Wenberg and Atkinson. I think they're trying to move Wenberg, if I heard correctly. They
1: really don't like Wenberg. No. I mean,
0: like, so I don't, like, the, the forward core is not very good, but, I mean, you also have, I would probably see, so they just signed uh, the guy from overseas, Elvis, I'm not even gonna try and pronounce his name. He, I think he played in the KHL the past couple years, and he was solid. He used to get good in jail all yeah. The time. Yeah, so you have him and Jonas Corpusalo. Do you maybe sign Keith Kincaid into a tandem of the three of them, or sign or send Elvis down to the minors for another year? I doubt he'd want to do that, but you never know.
1: It can't hurt to have no. depth.
0: No, and then like on the defensive side of things, you got Wierenski, you got uh, Seth Jones, you got Nudavara. Um, you have. Adam Clendenning and Scott Harrington to make decisions on, um, and Adam McQuaid, I would let him walk, and then you have oh, David God, Savard. Yeah. Uh, I forgot they traded for McQuaid. Yeah, it was one of the, they gave him a seventh,
1: I think, for him, but still, yeah, like not a great. That was one that of those sets. don't do that five times a year decisions. Yeah, um, yeah, and then up front, like
0: outside of the guys we just mentioned. I could see them definitely looking at Dezingle as a guy they might want to resign because he'll be cheaper. I could even see them saying, okay, we have all this cap space. We need to do something with it. Hello, Matt Duchesne.
1: I could see them doing that, and I think that would be a huge mistake. I don't think this team should be trying to win right now.
0: I think the guys we mentioned are still young enough that... I mean, you're going to have to wait this year, but if you go next year, you get your first-round pick, maybe you could try and trade a few guys off and get a couple second- or third-rounders to make up for the ones you Recoup lost. Recoup some assets again. And then you take 2020 and maybe even 2021 as just more retooling years, you could get a very good-looking young team again going.
1: Yeah, and they still have enough young pieces. Like, say you retool for two or three years, Jones is 26-27, Dubois is 22-23 in his prime. like is
0: 23-24. In his like, prime as it, well. Yeah. yeah, so, and I mean... Yeah, like that's probably what I would do with
1: it. I would too. Just, but I could see them throwing a lot of money around as well. I think if they signed Duchesne, that would be a huge mistake. I don't and think I it would, think because Ottawa would it. get a pick.
0: <laughs> the Another first rounder, and that's really what we want. Ottawa
1: so. would be in the Duchesne situation again, which would be
0: hilarious. Yeah. Uh, let's switch over to the other team, I guess, then. First, though. Odds towards gets fired. I would... I don't know. I don't know. I mean, getting... Second round, game seven. I could see him being fired, but more of a, a mutual parting kind of thing. But I, I don't know. Like, I could see it, but at the same time, I don't think it'll be performance-based. Like, purely performance-based anyways.
1: He's got one year... Oh, never mind. It looks like he signed an extension. Never mind. So he's got a two-year extension. I don't, Yeah, like, I don't know if I'd want to turn around and fire him necessarily after this. Yeah, like... I don't know. I've heard very
0: good and very bad. Well, not very good, but I've heard good and very bad things about Torts. Well, (laughs) the
1: funniest was when he was on both the coaches I would most want to play for and least want to play for list.
0: He's just that kind of coach. And uh, yeah, I I think, I don't know, I could see it. I could definitely see it. But at the same time, if they keep him around, at least for the start of next year... Uh, that's definitely a possibility, and then maybe if the team goes downhill, they go okay. Let's fire you. Yeah, that's let's let right. you go. But uh, yeah, I don't know. We want to move on to the other team that got eliminated. Then the New York Islanders team that definitely won't be firing their coach. Nope. they definitely will not. Uh, they're in a very interesting spot. The Islanders have a lot of decision, like a lot of decisions to make this off season. Uh, they're another team that has a bunch of their guys expiring. Uh, as an Ottawa fan, I can say don't completely buy into this hype. I mean, they obviously went to round two and not and got swept and not round three. So I think it'll be way different for them. I don't think they'll buy in that they're a, a, an elite-level team just yet and they need to go acquire a guy like Matt Duchesne through trade. Um, but they look at their cap-friendly page. I mean, Jordan Eberle's up. Brock Nelson's up. Their captain, Anders Lee's up. Uh, then you got guys like Voltero Fopio. All their over. bad
1: players are locked
0: in, though. Yeah. Anthony Bolivier's up. Michael Del Cole is up. Uh, and then Tom Kunackle's up. And then on defense, they got Lucas Biza and Dennis Seidenberg. So, and then in net, you have to figure out what you're going to do with Robin Leonard. So the big guys are Robin Leonard, Jordan Eberle, uh, Brock Nelson, and Anders Lee up front. And then in net, obviously. And uh, also Anthony Bolivier as an RFA. But, uh, yeah, so they have a lot of UFAs. They need to figure out what to do. And, again, this is one of the biggest problems with them signing so many fourth-line players, was that they're not going to have enough space for everyone. And not even cap space, but roster space. I mean, they're going to want to eventually start getting guys up from the minors. That they have, like, Kiefer Bellows, I would imagine
1: that they should want him up next year. Well, that's a problem. You'd think you'd want to give your depth roles to guys like Bellows and Hosang and all that. They're but... going to have Oliver Wallstrom soon enough. Maybe not next year, but
0: maybe the year after. Or even, like, what happens if he comes and he's your best player in camp? But you go, no, we can't because... <laughs> We have Leo Komarov locked in. Yeah, and Matt Martin locked in. I mean, like they have, and Ross Johnston has an NHL contract. I mean, they'll probably just send that down,
1: but you know, yeah, you can look Barry Johnston at yeah, least.
0: But like you have, you gave a modified no move clause to Komarov, so you have Komarov, Matt Martin, Casey Sazikas, Cal Clutterbuck, and Ross Johnston all under contract already for next year. That's five guys that I would put at fourth line players at best. I like, bet. Yeah. Be- like some of those guys aren't probably aren't NHLers.
1: Yeah, like just having your fourth line locked in is just generally not a good thing. And then having
0: your third line almost all locked in on top of that, too, is just not and like Tom is but- playing second line in the playoffs sometimes this year. What makes you think they don't want to at least give him another shot?
1: I really hope they buy into their own hype. Like
0: It'll be interesting to see what they do with Jordan Eberly or if this play a little bit of a playoff run here convinced him that maybe they should stay. I think Anders Lee will stay.
1: How often does a captain walk away
0: in free agency? I mean, I had I had two get traded because they were going to walk <laughs> in a row, but fair
1: enough. Um, <sighs> Seems odd though. I can't remember very many times the captain just walking away.
0: Yeah, I can't remember a ton of times like that either. Maybe we're missing a couple obvious ones. We probably are. Yeah, like so. it's not very it's not common for sure. Uh but yeah, like you look at you look at their roster and it's just you have a ton of guys on that you want to bring up or you should be wanting to bring up soon enough. And same with their defense. It's almost all locked in for next year. Boychuk, Letty, Thomas Hickey, Ryan Pulag, and Adam Pellick. Not the worst and Devin Taves, not the worst six to have, but I mean at some point you're gonna want some space and you have all these guys so many of these guys signed for four years or
1: three more years. Yeah, it's weird how locked in they are to this team.
0: And so I don't it'll be interesting to see what they do. I mean I could see definitely one of Brock Nelson and Jordan Everly not returning, if not both. If I think Anders both. Lee should return. But I mean he's probably gonna get a pretty big paycheck. He's definitely going to get a raise from the 3.75 he's making now. Yeah,
1: and he's definitely a good player on his own, but at 28, that contract might scare me.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's had 51 and 62 and 52 points in his past three seasons with the Islanders, so... I, there's no doubt he's going to get paid probably in i'd say the 5 or 6 million range i would think so maybe 6 is what i would probably say i saw someone saying that jordan everly is going to take 6 again this year like not a rumor just that's what they head him at i i think that's insane i think jordan everly will absolutely get a cap uh, increase. I would expect him to make more money. I think 7 to 7.5 will probably be what he looks for. Maybe 8, but I mean... 8 would be with Paner- ridiculous. With Panarin still. on the market, I don't know if he can command that. But then again, maybe some team that is really in on Panarin doesn't get him and goes, well, here's our consolation prize in Jordan Eberle. Here's a lot of money. It wouldn't shock me at all. I mean, we've seen it happen before. So they have a lot of decisions to make, and it's tough. I mean, even Jordan Eberle, like, You kind of need to re-sign him if you want to be good, but at the same time, like, he's 28 already.
1: You got to go into, like, so this team sucked last offseason. They still are a collection of not elite hockey players. And Matthew Barzell. And Barzell, yeah. Like, they're still not a good group of players, so I think you really need to start the retool.
0: Yeah, like, and then you got to figure out what you're doing with Robin Leonard and how much he wants, and do you give him another one-year prove-it thing to see if he he's not I don't obviously he's not gonna be another 930 season but if he can even be like 920 or even 915 where it's like league average and or above, a little bit above he's like the eighth best goalie in the league or whatever I mean that would be worth it to resign them
1: obviously if I'm Robin Lander though I'm probably trying to cash out this off season yeah I
0: definitely would be as well I don't know it, it's such a tough call it's gonna be really interesting to see how Lamarello
1: handles it and I if I'm being honest I don't have a lot of faith I don't either. I think if they do anything but the retool we all wanted them to do last summer, it's going to be a huge mistake.
0: Yeah, and I mean, it'll be an interesting summer of listening to Islanders fans talk about how we said the same thing last summer, but it was the same kind of idea for Sens fans, too, about, oh, yeah, our team's actually bad? No, it's not, and then... (laughs) Turns out the team is actually bad.
1: Yeah, it turns out a collection of players that aren't that good usually form a team that isn't that good in the standings. Yeah, and, yeah, I don't know. They,
0: it's going to be a very—they have a lot of decisions to make, that's for sure, and it'll be interesting to see. Uh, let's move on to another thing that'll be very interesting to see how he handles it. Ken Holland, uh, promoted or hired by the Edmonton Oilers to be the new GM. So I guess we, we we didn't even talk about Steve Eisenman going to Detroit, did we, either? No, I do not totally think we did. Totally forgot about that one, too. So we have a couple GM signings. Steve Eiserman Detroit— Let's start with that, because that's really cap trouble there. It'll be interesting to see if he can do what he did with Tampa in terms of building that team up the same way he can do with Detroit. I think if, if I'm Steve Iserman, I this is obviously smart. Uh, I mean, you have probably three years of grace before anyone can even well, anyone, even question you, because if nothing happens for three years, you go, well, we stepped into Justin Applicator, I mean, even Franz Nielsen, Darren Helm, all locked up long-term. So I, what was I supposed
1: to do, right? I mean, people still go to bat for Ken Holland, whose best draft picks were before we were alive. Yeah. So, <laughs> and I mean, maybe even have longer than that in terms of grace period.
0: Exactly. So, but I mean, he really does have two or three years at least to rework this team how he wants it. Uh, he does have a lot of work to do, and he better start figuring out how to offload some contracts this summer. I know they're getting some money off the books. Thomas Bandic's $3 three millions off. Cronwell's four point seven five is off, but. When it comes to, I mean, they're really using LTIR with Johan Franzen, Mike Green right now, and Hendrik Zetterberg. But uh, look at next summer. They have two, four, six, six RFAs up, and or seven RFAs. Madison Bowie, Jacob De La Rose a couple guys I've never even heard of, Tyler Bertuzzi, Andreas Anthony Siu, and Anthony Mantha. So there's a couple big names in there for the team, and they're going to need to figure out how to pay these guys. Like Mantha and Anthony Siu, for sure. Yeah, at least. And and I mean... Maybe
1: Bertuzzi takes a step forward.
0: Yeah, and I mean, even DeLaRose is a depth guy, but that won't cost a ton. But there are a couple guys next year that you are going to have to pay next offseason. And so he's really going to have to figure out what to do and how to rework. And I I don't hate their prospects at all. I like Phillips Zadina still a lot. I know he didn't maybe have the season everyone wanted him to have, especially when you compare him to some other guys in the draft. But... Uh, Joseph Velano I really like as He's well. Very good. I like they they killed it this past draft I thought as well. You know like Jared McIsaac is something in the minors you could t- see you have a 19 year old defenseman there.
1: Who Would they taken the second round? Philip
0: Roenick as well. You have guys that are there.
1: Yeah, Bergeron that's Ber- what i was Yeah,
0: thinking of. I say you have guys that are in your minor league system and and you just need
1: to keep retooling, and it'll just, be, just stress patience beyond yeah, anything. Yeah, it'll be
0: very interesting to see what Eisenman does with this and how he tries to get rid of some of the not great. Like they're paying Danny De Kaiser five million for three more years. I don't hate DeKaiser, but like
1: he got the Morgan Riley
0: contract. Basically, it's just like he's twenty nine years old already. Like, why are you paying him when your team is this bad? Why are you giving him that much money? And he's got a no trade clause. Yeah. And in well, and that's the problem. Like Trevor Daly, no trade clause. Eric. Jonathan, no modified no-trade clause. He's making 4.25 at 35 years old. Or Jonathan Erickson, sorry. Not Eric Jonathan. Um, like, like I almost wonder if you just have to eat it for a while with this team. I mean, that's I think that's what we said. Darren Helm, full no-trade clause. Justin Ablikator, full no-trade clause. Like, do you just hope a couple of these guys get injured and don't want to play anymore, just want to collect their checks? Because, like, Franz Nielsen, modified no-trade clause. Like, I don't hate Franz Nielsen, but he's 35, he makes 5.25 for three more years. That's a deal you want to try and get rid of.
1: Yeah, but, but like, so I like their prospect pool. You just said you did too, but I still don't want to be dumping picks to get rid of contracts from these guys either.
0: No, not not high picks at least, like nothing in the first three rounds. No, I'll give up a fourth to get rid of one of these guys, but, but nobody's probably doing that. So. No, I doubt it. it. Yeah, like you're gonna like you're gonna have to eat it. That's what I mean. He's gonna have a two or three year grace period and. I don't know how much he's going to be able to do this offseason to really make this team much better, but I, don't know. I think uh, the key is going to be minor deals that make your team a little bit younger and a little bit better around the edges for when you get good again.
1: Yeah, find those random guys who played on Tampa Bay's AHL team like uh, Yanni Gord and all of a sudden score yeah. 50 points twice when they and pop up.
0: It'll be interesting to see now, you know, guys, uh, Iserman and the Tampa Bay scouting staff was just absolutely insane. It'll be interesting to see if I don't know who he all brought over from Tampa. I know he brought at least one guy over yeah, I with saw him. Yeah, that too. But it'll be interesting to see where the the bulk of the scouting came from there. Because if they can find gold draft picks like Tampa did when he was in Tampa, they're going to be very, they're going to be in a good
1: position. I have a lot of faith in, faith
0: in Steve Eiserman, but this is a big task.
1: This is a huge. He's yeah. widely regarded as the best GM in the league. I'd say. Yeah. And it's time for him to show it. Yep. Basically. He's going to need to be for these guys to be good anytime soon. Oh,
0: absolutely. Uh, and, I mean, I don't expect him to turn this around in one year. I would, I mean, again, it'll be interesting to see what they do in net going forward. Jimmy Howard signed a one-year <laughs> extension for $4 million. Maybe try and trade that this deadline for once. I don't think he has no-move on this one, so you could trade it. You know, Bernier is still for two more years, but you need to find a goalie of the future. They have some younger guys in the system, but, uh, you know, some of them aren't good. Like, Hari Satari is 29, so he's not going to do anything. Uh, Then you have a a pair of 20-year-olds and Philip Larson and Caden Fulcher. Maybe you hope one of those guys hit, but, like, goaltending is obviously random. We've said that a ton. Yeah, it's so hard to predict. Like, you you have so much you have to do with this. So, it'll be... A challenge, but he obviously wants to take it on. He didn't want to just. The whole family thing in Tampa Bay it was clear that Breezeball's promotion was uh, to keep him in Tampa and not because Iserman actually wanted to step away for family. Or at least. I thought to be, it was that he stepped away. He, it family. was, Well, that's what they said. But I would be pretty surprised. I mean, it was probably a bit of both, I, I should I would say. Think but it's probably both. If you really stepped away from a team that looked like the Cup favorites to be with family, I don't think you'd be taking a job less than a year later.
1: But don't, doesn't his family live in Detroit? I don't what, do that. The thing. I thought that oh, was maybe they do. They yeah, maybe there. they do. Either way, it's not like we really know what's going on in Steve Steve wise's family life anyway. So. Uh,
0: Kelly McCrimmon also got promoted to Vegas as GM, and I guess it sounds like he's just getting a new title and a pay raise because he still reports to George McPhee, who's now president of Hockey Ops. Yeah. It's not, again, it was just a thing to let Edmonton not steal him. <laughs> exactly. Um, and, but uh, good for Vegas because it sounds like McCrimmon was a pretty big part in building the Vegas team, which... Has proven to be very, very good. So, um, yeah, you can't complain with that record. No. Uh,
1: then, yeah. So let's go on to the Ken Holland signing. Then get to the reason why Detroit sucks. Uh, why Eiserman has such a hard job so ahead of him.
0: He has a hard job ahead of himself as well. And but instead of him making his own mess, it's now someone else's mess. He's gonna be another guy who has
1: two to three years of grace. I think. Yeah, I would think so. And I mean, you could. Probably like kill someone on the streets and the half the Edmonton media would still go to bat for oh, you. Oh, so.
0: absolutely. It definitely helps that the market he's in, the, the media is going to help him out a lot. But I mean, even in a normal market, he would have a couple years of grace to try and fix this. I mean, this is a mess. It's yeah. an absolute mess. And we've said it over and over again. I think we've talked a lot about what the Islanders need to, or just not the Islanders, the, the Oilers need to do. But what, what do you think he's going to do and what should he do in terms of right now? Because I've, I've heard a lot of takes. I, I don't know. I think the, the praising of Ken Holland comes from a lot of old-school media people. I think it's a lot overblown. What I will say is I think sometimes that definitely Holland, uh, it looked like the ownership wanted him to keep going for it more than anything else. I definitely think that if it was up to him, maybe he wouldn't have wanted to push for the playoffs five years straight trying to keep that streak alive. But at the same time, some of those contracts are absolutely horrible. And, and so... I don't. Know. I've seen a lot of takes. I've seen things like he doesn't have to have loyalty to these guys because he doesn't care. I think uh, one of the best takes I've seen is if. They hire Ken Holland and he comes out and he cleans house in terms of what Lamorello did in Toronto where he tells all the ex-oilers to shut your mouth. You're not, I'm not listening to you. I'm Ken Holland. I don't need to listen to you. It will be a successful hiring
1: no matter what. He could look like a god if he just cleans house and actually yeah. like turns things around. And we time. know
0: they're not getting fired, but just them not being a part of the decision making anymore and just collecting their check for doing whatever promoting they do yeah. would be a huge win for Ken Holland.
1: And as much as I think when people talk about like name value and stuff, it's usually really, really stupid. But having someone with some prestige or whatever probably isn't the worst thing to be the guy who tells all those guys to shut up.
0: Yes, in terms of telling them to shut up, absolutely. I know I was talking to Totally Offside on Twitter when the rumor came out that this was going to happen. We went back and forth, and his thing was that uh, he thinks also having name value can help you move a Milan Lucic uh, contract because you can convince other GMs that he has value. My opinion on that yeah, is, if other GMs think that. he has value already, it doesn't matter. It could be Kyle Dubas or it could be uh, Ken Holland negotiating the trade. They're gonna think he has value either way. Uh, that's just my personal opinion.
1: I think what, if anything, I'd be more confused why a smart person's trying to get rid of them. Then, what do you mean, a smart person? Like, like let's say an idiot walks up to you and offers you this player. You oh, might be able yeah, to be like, yeah, no. I'm smarter than them. I trust my judgment. But if it's someone you think very highly of, it's like, I kind of get it, but this
0: player in Edmonton's situation, I think Ken Holland would be very open about needing cap space, and or maybe not very open, but it's like, obvious yeah, the, whether yes, he says it or not, right? Like, this is a guy we're moving. He's got a six mil cap hit. Yes, he can be a useful player. I don't know. I think that they're gonna they're gonna either like him or not like him. Either way, it doesn't matter who the GM is. What I do want to see Ken Holland do because I, I I don't think all of Ken Holland's moves have been horrible. I think he doesn't, he doesn't take, get a near enough credit for the Tatar trade to Vegas last that year. That was big. Where he picked up a first, a second, and a third for Thomas Tatar, who didn't even play for Vegas. Not that it was really right, but still. He doesn't take enough credit for that. I mean, he's had a couple solid drafts in the past few years. and um. But what he needs is a guy like Kyle Dubas. His own Kyle, like what Lamorello had. Someone with a totally different viewpoint on his, where him, uh, the assistant GM, who, like, the Dubas type, I don't know who this would be. But And then the head coach, whoever whoever they get for a head coach, they can talk about every decision they make.
1: Oh, they still need a coach, don't they? Yeah, the, yeah. they
0: just confirmed Hitchcock would not be coming back next year, so they'll be looking for a coach as well. Uh, it'll be interesting to see who they go after. But for this team, like, Ken Holland needs to clear house in terms of the voices. It needs to be him and whoever he brings on with him, not the ex-Oilers. It needs to be his staff. And his staff needs to be diverse. That's the biggest thing for me. I think... I have been absolutely talked into that Ken Holland will—it like it doesn't have to be a total failure. But at the same time, I'm not I'm not real convinced, based on his past three or four years, that why we should be excited for Ken Holland either.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't be thrilled, but I would also think there's some reason for optimism relative to what was just happening. Oh,
0: yes. I mean, he's not the worst option out there. Uh, I mean, I would probably take Ken Holland over uh, Mark Hunter— I think they have the same kind of mindset, but Tom Holland does actually... Not Tom Holland, Ken, Ken Holland. Holland. Yeah, Spider-Man's going to be the GM. He's going, he's going to actually have some name value out there. You know, like Mark Hunter coming in and telling everyone to uh, shut up probably wouldn't go over very well in the media, but Ken Holland doing it probably would. Or not, maybe not probably would, but definitely wouldn't be as bad. As He'd him. have better odds of right. going well. And so, I don't know. Like, I, I think that... It wasn't the best option at all, but it wasn't the worst either, and it can be good. But things have to go right, and I'm not entirely confident in that. I don't think I'm, yeah, very confident at all. Because my biggest thing is, like, if he does hire, like, if he does hire a, a very smart GM or some or assistant GM, and they can kind of go back and forth on things like that, I think it'd be a solid hire for Edmonton. But the problem I have with that is, if that's what he's gonna do, why did he not do that in Detroit?
1: He presumably did with Steve Iserman. But, but not really. Yeah.
0: Like, Detroit hired him, and then he was like, oh, yeah, I'll stick around, and then ran away.
1: Like... Yeah, like, I don't know. The way Detroit has been run in the past few years, he has not done the things that he has to do in Edmonton. No. Other not, than draft well last year. Yeah,
0: not at all. And, I don't know, I think that I would have gone way different. I would have tried to find someone completely new if I was Edmonton. Uh, again, not one of the 200 hockey men or whatever would... Probably someone with kind of a degree and... Yeah, like, I, I don't know. It's just... Uh, You're Ken Holland. What's your first move? I don't like... Go talk to Conor David, I would say. <laughs> say, here's what here's what our plan is. Uh, what, what I will say about Edmonton is this is... As bad as their contract stuff is, it is easy to
1: fix in that what they need to fix is... They have to find the easiest things. Oh, you could look like a god so... E- well, not easily. I actually think it's going to be quite hard to turn Edmonton around. But the pieces are in place for you to look like a god. The
0: biggest thing you need... Well, I guess goaltending. But, I mean, if Robin Leonard or someone like that hits the market this year, I think you might have to just try and find cap space to go get Robin Leonard or someone like that. A, a tandem guy is uh, yeah, what do you Yeah, decent backup. And... Um, anyway, you need him, and then you also need to find winger dab- wingers. And... Wingers to play with Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisidel shouldn't be that hard and is the easiest thing to acquire in the NHL.
1: It should be so easy to pump and dump players
0: with Connor McDavid on your team. Absolutely. And even, you know, and then put Dreisidel down the middle and even Ryan Ujuk Hopkins. I mean, he got Sam Gagne on the team. I don't mind Sam Gagne as a
1: depth guy. Yeah, he's fine. On your third or fourth line, he can play still. He proved in Columbus he can play on a fourth line and do well on a second unit power play sort of thing. I mean, like, maybe you sign Alex Jason
0: as your depth guy, but, like, I still don't agree with not trading him at the deadline, but whatever. Like, I don't know, you have, like, you need to go out and find some guys that are going to be able to contribute, and in a big way, on your wings. And as hard as that is, it's the easiest position to go find. It's easier than centerman, it's easier than defenseman, and it's easier than goaltending. I think goaltending, someone like Jacob Markstrom to the Oilers would make all the sense in the world that to me. Be bad. I don't know why. I, I think Vancouver definitely should want to keep him for another year so he can uh, tandem with Thatcher Demko because you're not sure what you have just yet in Demko in terms of NHL quality, but I, I don't know. I think something like that would make sense where you go and find a guy who can at least tandem with or even signing like Curtis McElhaney in the offseason for... <laughs> I don't know, $3 million from one year or something. Because he, he proved this year that he can play 40 solid games if you can go, hey... Which is a weird yeah, statement. But like if you go, hey, we need you for 30 games, is that better than rolling with... Who's their backup now? Anthony Stolars. Give me... Sorry. Give me Curtis McElhaney and what he's done over the past three years over Anthony Stolars. Oh, for sure. Like, yeah, I don't know. Finding something like that so you can tandem with Miko Koskinen. I'm not sold... Obviously, I'm not sold on Miko Koskinen, but... If he's even like, if you could get him to be a tandem starter with someone else, whatever you, know, you spend two or three million dollars on your your backup and you get a 6.5, six point five, seven point five goaltending tandem, that's not the yeah. worst thing. And in the even world. if
1: Koskinen's league average, like that makes it into a perfectly fine deal. Yeah, I just don't think he is is the issue, yeah. or
0: I haven't seen enough to convince
1: me he really is. Oh, you. There's definitely not been a long enough sample. No, and I mean, and just the sample size we do have is just like Well, you uh, might luck into him being it anyways. Yeah, maybe. And then, you
0: know, on the back end, they have uh, Oscar Clefbaum. I love. Darnell Nurse is fine. I think he's probably overrated by some, but he's not bad by any means. Uh, if Andre Sakara can stay healthy he he is he was good that would worry me as yes, he ages, I was just to say with how many major injuries he's had it would be a little bit worrisome
1: it uh, sucks that that contract looks like an anchor because that was one of the few like analytically inclined signings yeah, it would, it that looked Evans good and then made.
0: He... He broke his leg and had some other massive injury as well that kept him out pretty much the past two years. Yeah, that sucks. For and, him. I mean, Adam Larson's still a good defender as much as, obviously, he's not worth Taylor Hall. It kind of sucks we need to bring Taylor Hall's name up every time, but we do. But he's still a good defender. You know, Chris Russell at two more years, that's a deal I would look at moving. See if Chris Russell wants to move is no move. I don't know if Ken Holland's going to want to do that.
1: And for some reason, people love Chris Russell, so you probably get yeah. away with that. It just depends if
0: he is the one who wants to move. But in terms of, like, a defense, a defense core, like, they also have some pieces in the minors. I mean, again, you know, I'm not the, huge, the, the biggest uh, prospect guy, but, you know, they have a couple guys. Like, Evan Bouchard's obviously very good, and I would... Be surprised if he didn't make the team next year. I'm not going to lie.
1: you basically just pray Bouchard and Yamamoto are hit. Caleb
0: Jones is apparently, and Ethan Baer are both guys that, uh, should have a legitimate shot out of
1: camp next year. Yeah, people are really high on the Bakersfield defenseman. actually. Yeah,
0: so, I mean, the, you definitely have guys that can come up and play depth roles next year, and you hope to step in eventually. So, it's good, th- this team, but, you ne- again, you need to talk to Connor McDavid. You need to have a legit plan set out would say, okay, we know we're not going to be elite next year, but two or three years from now, we're hoping
1: we can get some guys to be good. Like Connor McDavid has entered his prime, and now they're going to have to start stressing patience. Yeah, like...
0: Yeah, you got in, in the minors, you got Yamamoto. Like, do you like anyone else just on their cap front? Ryan McLeod, I don't mind. But, like, there's nothing other than that that I go, oh, yeah, that's going to be a huge piece of Yamamoto it. better be a... And uh, Puyarvi a obviously, yeah. once he gets help. But it, it sounds like Puyarvi wants to move. Like so, maybe you, maybe maybe a new GM. You go, okay, this is things are going to be different now. We like we promise this is how things are going to go.
1: Yeah, saving that relationship, and therefore hopefully the player would be big.
0: Yes, and they they have to resign them this summer, don't they? I believe so. Yeah. Yes, they do.
1: So that'll be interesting. Um, uh, do you have anything else on that? No, they basically just have to go out and like win deals. Like they either have to yes. play, pay players less than what they're worth or win trades
0: or both if we're being honest to be a really good team like they have to you don't want to give up picks but you have to find a way to get out of one of if not both of the lucic and russell contracts yeah like i mean there's some other not good contracts on that team but those are the two biggest anchors in terms of what you're going to be able to do with cap space
1: yeah for sure
0: um it's that simple really uh
1: Edmonton fans.
0: The only other thing I got is Adam Fox goes to the the New York Rangers for a was it a second or a, a
1: second and a third.
0: One of them was conditional. I don't remember which one. Um, this was a good haul, I thought, for Carolina. Uh, this is good. I didn't mind the trade both ways. Uh, I mean, it's one of those things you don't want to. I sway back and forth on this a lot. So if
1: I was a Rangers fan,
0: I'd be a little upset. Me too, but at the same time, you got a very good prospect in Adam
1: Fox. That's the, so. So this is one, they have the picks to burn, but that doesn't mean you should burn yeah. them. Like it's- I'd be angry while admitting you still probably can't complain because you got Adam Fox.
0: Yes, exactly. I, mean, I think they gave too much up to get a guy who was clearly going to <laughs> who basically, land in New York. Yeah, but, who
1: basically just said, I'm playing
0: for the Rangers. The thing is, you get him a year earlier, and that does have some value to it. Is it a full second-round pick value earlier or worth? I don't know if I go that far. But he signed an, I believe he signed an ELC, and he might be playing with the Rangers next year. Whereas if he was staying in Carolina, he would have went to another year of college, and the Rangers wouldn't have had him until he went to the free agency, and he would have had, I believe... No, you don't have to give compensation, though. Carolina would have gotten compensation, though. They would have got an end of the second-round pick, I believe. I believe oh, that's what... Na- or third round. That's what Nashville got when... Uh, What's-his-name went... Jimmy B.C. went to oh, the okay. Rangers. But um, I forgot about that whole saga. Yeah, so they, they traded away their second-round pick this year... And uh, a conditional third next year, and it's the conditional third is if Adam Fox plays in thirty games this year, the third round pick will become a second next year. So it's either two seconds or a second and a third. And um, yeah, I don't know, like again, this is when you go and look at the Rangers uh, cap page, they did a very good job at restocking picks real quick.
1: Very uh, fast. They have
0: two firsts this year. They had three seconds. They trade away their own in the trade this to for Adam Fox, but they still have Dallas and Tampa. Uh, which aren't very high, but they're still mid to late second round picks. They have their own third. They have Columbus's fourth. They have their own fifth, sixth, and they have Columbus's seventh. Next year, they have their own first. They might not have their second or their third, but they have Dallas's third. And if they re-sign Dal- if they Dallas re-signs Zuccarello, I believe that turns into a first round pick. Yeah, it does. Um, so they might have two first next year. Maybe not, but they might. Probably they, not. They at least have a third next year. But, I mean, we say probably not. Again, we talked about how Dallas needs scoring depth. They might just go, okay, we're all in now. Zuccarello, we're choosing you. Uh, They have their own first. They have three sevenths right next year, which is kind of funny. I I like that. (laughs) so uh, unnecessary. It, it really like is. You it too. reminds me of our Madden GM League. I think I probably have 12 seventh-round picks next year because whenever I need a little extra in the trade, I'll just add one in. They are nice to just but, throw in the end there. Yeah, But, uh, yeah, so I don't know. Like They've done a very good job of restocking the, the pool, and, I mean, they have a super young team going into next year, too. Uh, and their cap sheet's, like, perfectly clear. Yep. I mean, their, their average age on forward right now is 24.3, and their average age on defense is 26.3. I like that a lot. I like that a lot, a lot. Yeah. I mean, they have... Zvanijed, uh, Kreider, I think they probably will trade Kreider away next year too. Nemestikov, you might be able to find someone for ne- Nemestikov.
1: Kreider's probably another first too. Yep,
0: like uh, Ryan Strom, it depends if he's got two more, two more, or no, next year I guess as well again. But again, like they have, uh, so Strom, Nemestikov, Kreider, VC, and Jesper Fast that are all guys that need contracts next year. Uh, in terms of guys you might trade away, you might not. I think I could see them keeping Vesey and maybe Strom. If Strom has a decent year and you sign, you give him a middle 6-4 contract, obviously not to a long-term extension, but yeah, I could see them re-signing him. Fine player. I think Jesper Fast could be a guy that they get a 4th or 5th round pick at the deadline for. Maybe, maybe I'm—I don't know how the market's going to play out, but a middle round pick, I'd think.
1: Yeah, if he goes on a shooting percentage bender yeah. or something, maybe even higher.
0: And Nemestikov, I think even, especially if you retain some salary for next year, you could definitely get some team to give you some assets for that uh, as a depth guide for the playoffs. And Kreider, again, I would be shocked if Kreider's not at least a first. Oh, for sure. And, like, they were asking, I think two firsts and a big pros or a first and a big prospect, or two firsts and a level prospect this year for him for two years of guide or that this seems a little like, rich but I mean go for it if you can yeah, right? shoot like, or shoot yeah and then they have, they have guys like uh, Pavel Bufnevich they need to sign this year and uh Brendan Lemieux who they acquired in the trade for uh, I'm blanking on Hayes. his name Hayes thank you uh, and then yeah you have Philip Chitel, Elias Anderson who I, I like both of them a lot Uh Brett Howden as well Um and that's just on forward I mean on defense you got Kirk. I think they probably keep Shattenkirk at two more years. Why not? Let him be your veteran in the room. Like, Mark Stahl, hate that contract, but uh, you're just going to have to eat that. Uh, Brady Shea, hopefully he can turn around because they signed him long term and he fell off pretty hard uh, compared to what they thought he was. He's a really weird player to evaluate. Brendan Smith, I mean, and then Anthony D'Angelo. Like, uh, and then... Uh Libor Hajek, I believe that's a guy they got from Tampa in the McDonough trade. Yeah, he is. Uh, Adam Fox again. So, you know, they're going to have an uh, interesting time. And then, in net, they got uh, Hendrik Lundqvist, Alexander Gorgiev, and uh, Igor Chesterkin. <laughs> a couple Russians, I believe. And uh, But I believe Igor is supposed to be good. They have a good young goalie. In I them. think they both are, aren't they? Gorgiev's okay. Gorgiev plays amazing or is he against just a leaf the Leafs. Killer? Yeah, he plays amazing against the Leafs and then he's fine against a slight slash below average. But in the minors they also have Vitali Kratsov, uh who I like a lot. Um I'm trying to think of who else if they have anyone else. That's about it in terms of big
1: prospects I mean I they're going to add Kako. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I just should say, they yeah, they have the overstay. second overall pick
0: this year and that's going to be huge. I uh, Kako or Hughes? I think New Jersey will go Hughes, but I mean, I'd be
1: really surprised. Kako
0: really is making a case that he could be the best player in this draft, and and not to the same like I think more of an extent than Line A Matthews was. Like I think
1: Line A Matthews was a lot
0: just of talk.
1: Well, I've seen like. A lot of more analytical people actually have Kako won, whereas I didn't see any of that with Matthews and Line A. No, it was
0: just Line A. It was a week before the draft. like, holy crap, we need to talk about the draft. Let's try and pump this guy up.
1: The same way Eichel did
0: things that McDavid couldn't do. Yeah, exactly. But uh, yeah, so I mean, uh, for Carolina, I guess we haven't talked about this at all for Carolina. Being in the third round, getting a second and a third round pick is very nice, Uh, especially for a guy you knew wasn't coming back to you. Uh, he was part of the Ducky Hamilton trade. This is very good value considering everyone knew where he was going to turn up. I think this was a very good deal by Carolina.
1: It's weird. So I think I'd rather have Adam Fox than even two seconds, assuming he plays 30 games next Me too. year. But I still think Carolina won the deal.
0: Yes, because they knew he. they weren't getting Adam Fox. It was either nothing for Adam Fox or two seconds for Adam Fox. And yeah. I mean, when you look at that, there you go. Like It seems pretty easy to to go with there. So yeah, I don't, exactly. I don't have much more to say this week. A solid hour almost there. Uh,
1: More than I thought we'd get out of this one, to be
0: honest. Me too. There was a lot more news, I think, than we realized. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. Well, I didn't get to watch too much of the second round. Chase and I were talking about. With work starting and stuff, we've both been real busy. Uh, Yeah, do you have anything coming out soon that people should.
1: Probably not. I keep. Trying to work on stuff, and then I get bored and don't finish it. So, uh
0: yeah, I'm starting a new series, not on hockey. Is this, uh, have you said it yet? No, I okay. have not said it yet. If it'll be out, I'm hoping in three or four days, so within the week. By the next time we record, it should definitely be started. I, I am very excited. Oh, you're for starting it. it that early. I, I already wrote the first thing up for it, anyways. <laughs> but yes, yeah, so you can find all that on NHL sends and stuff on Twitter and Chase the CM Hockey 66. I should have. Some more stuff coming out on the Sens as we get closer to the offseason. Right now with the playoffs, Sens aren't doing pretty much. Dead for Sens I'm not going to do draft analysis or draft articles or anything like that. That's not my forte. I don't know enough about the draft to give good content about it. Um, so, yeah, once they get to the offseason, they start signing or looking for a new head coach or stuff, I will have some more pieces out DJ on DJ Smith, here they come. Oh, my God, I would be so mad. DJ Smith is not the <laughs> answer. I think almost anyone else I would be happy with. Mind you, I get, I get, no, we can get this in another well, time. we probably got all summer uh, yeah, for this I, one. So. I will say, DJ Smith, I don't think Otto's next head coach is going to matter as much as anyone thinks. I think their next head coach is going to be the guy that tries to get the team to just grow, and then he'll be fired when the team's good anyways. In probably. my opinion, anyways. I like. Obviously, that's not the plan or any team's plan but I mean when a head coach lasts two years I was gonna
1: say the life cycle of a coach is two years they're not gonna be good in two years so So, yeah
0: so what I will say about DJ Smith is apparently he's a players coach all the players love him if you have DJ Smith around for one or two years to help your team grow in terms of personality I it wouldn't be the worst thing but given how he's utilized Toronto's defense and PK I'd be really scared for the on ice product but anyways, yeah, sorry, you, you can find me on Twitter, I, I will have a new huge series coming out, uh, I really hope I can announce it soon, but I'm very excited for it, and i excited for you guys to check it out, and uh, other than that, I don't think, do you have anything else to say? No, no. Thanks everyone for listening, and we will see you all next week.